Hey, Seattle hockey fans, we have a squad cast. That's right. Locked on Sharks and Locked on Kraken Unite to bring you this Thursday's episode where J.D. Young from Locked on Sharks asks important questions about the Seattle Kraken. What's the best and worst case scenario coming up for this season? And who is the key to our success? All my answers to those questions and more coming up on this squad cast episode of Locked on Kraken. You are Locked On Kraken, your daily podcast on the Seattle Kraken, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are the Seattle Kraken. Hey, hey, what do you say, Seattle hockey fans? Welcome to another episode of Locked on Kraken. We are so honored to be part of your daily destination. We know you have a lot of podcast choices out there, a lot of them that do a great job covering the Kraken. So I, your host, Erica L. Ayala, am always so grateful to have you as an everyday listener or viewer if you're watching on YouTube. But without further ado, let me send you to our pre-recorded conversation with J.D. Young, it's a part of the State of the Franchise series happening over on Locked on Sharks. But today, the Sharks podcast will talk all things Kraken. I was happy to join JD, and let's hear what Sharks fans want to know about the Kraken and, of course, what my answers are. Everydayers, I don't think a lot of the answers will surprise you, but maybe the player that we might need the most and who has to come up big, maybe that one will surprise you. As always, question of the day, let me know who do you think will be the key player for the Seattle Kraken in season three. And make sure you hang tight on this very episode of Locked on Kraken because I give JD my answer. All that coming up. Uh, I am joined today by Erica from Locked on Kraken. Erica, how's it going? You know, it's going pretty well. The Seattle Kraken made uh, the postseason much more enjoyable for me <laughs> this this year doing the podcast. And, uh, you know, I, we'll get into it. But I think we've, we've done okay. Still certainly some <laughs> things that I'm looking for the team to do uh, in, in the long run. But I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, it's. I know. I was. We were talking beforehand. Um, most of us hockey people are enjoying the off season. You are full on WNBA right now. Uh, no off season for Erica. Um, so you'll you get like a two week break between the end of the WNBA right. season and then the beginning of the hockey season. So I'm sure you'll be cramming in as much uh, as doing nothing as you can um, in that time. So, but before we get into the state of the. Uh, Seattle Kraken. I do want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you guys by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL. Enter the promo code LockedOnNHL for a free white tech cat with your order. You don't want to take off your Bird Dogs. We promise you. So Erica, let's start with the state of the Seattle Kraken. They, of course, last year uh, surprised the hockey world, finished fourth in the Pacific, 100 points, uh, you know, Surprised the defending champion Colorado Avalanche in the first round. Uh, eventually lost in the second round in seven games to the the Dallas Stars. Um, what are the Seattle Kraken? Yeah, so I think well, that's what we're trying to figure out because it was a really tough inaugural season for the Seattle Kraken. 
We had some experts thinking that we had maybe a top five, uh, you know, goalie tandem in that inaugural season. That did not come to pass. (laughs) And so so then we were like, all right, well, what are we going to do now with Drieger hurt? You bring in Martin Jones and he surprises. And then we, you know, we eclipse a hundred points. We, we get into the playoffs. We take out the defending champions in the first round and we get 14 games in, in the, the first two rounds in the Stanley cup playoffs. So I think that the, the overall feeling is, is that we have a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. There is momentum that we are able to create um, but that also has come with some consequences and some players, certainly some of my favorite players or one of my favorite players leaving the Kraken, which is understandable, and going right back to the additions that we have on paper. Uh, are they going to be um, enough to get us at minimum to what we, we got last season? Um, but then also knowing that that's a bit of a fool's errand because the Seattle Kraken, for a lot of people, as you mentioned, J.D., overperform. So how do you capture that lightning in a bottle? And how much of that is just that, just kind of playing with house money versus the foundation that is being laid by Ron Francis and Dave Haxtell. And to that point, some some of the first off-season acquisitions that we made was to re-sign or to extend, I should say, both Ron Francis and Dave Haxtell. I believe both contracts take us through 2025-26. So that's pretty important. And I think that balance of how much of this was just our first run versus how much of this is because we have a team that was actually built to be successful. Those are going to be questions that we get answered um, pretty soon. So feeling good, we have some long-term pieces, uh, which include, I should I should also mention Vince Dunn. We avoided arbitration with Vince Dunn and we re-signed him. We also avoided arbitration with Will Borgen, both defensemen. So shoring up the back end, critically important there. Um, but yeah, everything else I think is, I, I'm still, I still have some questions. Goaltending yep. still being one of them for, so for a third consecutive season. I do think there are some questions with goaltending, but overall state of the franchise is, we have done, in my opinion, at least enough to start off where we ended up in our second season. Yeah, I mean, you look at the the actually for the Kraken, like just look a little north to to Vancouver, right? They they made the Western Conference Finals a couple seasons ago, and it it kind of felt like they tried to rush the process, right? And it feels yes. like the Kraken are going to be slow and steady. And yes, they probably overachieved a little bit last year, and this team, I I still think they they lack a superstar right now. Maddie Beniers is well on his way to becoming a superstar in the NHL. Um, but it, it feels like they trust their process. And if maybe they take a step back this year and, you know, maybe it's a first round or maybe they just missed the playoffs, but it feels like they're setting themselves up for long-term success as teams, maybe in the Pacific, you know, you look at uh, like Vegas, isn't going to be this good forever. Right. Um, you know, who knows what happens with Edmonton, uh, but like you feel like they're going, they're on the rise and going to be a long-term player, maybe a uh, rival or in, uh, the, the Kings here, I think in the future in the Pacific. So um, this off season, right. It, it did feel, you know, there was some, a lot of talk, of course, the, the Kraken could be looking to make a big impact as potential uh, Eric Carlson suitors. Um, of course, we know Eric Carlson went to, to Pittsburgh. Your thoughts on them kind of staying the course with, with their, with this 
kind of this buildup of the franchise. Yeah, it wasn't surprising to me that we were in the mix from reports, but did not yeah. kind of finalize and close that deal. I, I like that the Seattle Kraken were at least considering the option. The Seattle Kraken are a team that have been very mindful of the mm -hmm. salary cap. We have been able to gather a lot of assets through trade deadline and then getting draft picks. And those are still assets that I think we still comfortably enjoy. So I think the, the, the Eric Carlson conversation, while I have been on the record a lot on Locked on Crack and saying, I do think we need a little bit more of a dynamic uh, superstar on the team yep. at any position. And that I would like to see us shore up defensively. I think, Perhaps the Carlson does one of those things, not the other. <laughs> and so it, it, it's all about the timing. I think that yeah. this, I don't think that Carlson hurts the Seattle Kraken, certainly not in the short term, but yeah. it's a matter of if Ron Francis and company felt that the deal that would have been in place to acquire him in the long run would have hurt, like you were saying, like I had said earlier, what the team has established foundationally. And I think that it was just a little bit too steep of a price for right now for the Seattle Kraken. But I like that we were in the conversation. I like that players continually talk about the Seattle Kraken as being a destination that's intriguing to them. So I think that will pay dividends eventually. I'm a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> that we're still kind of waiting on that superstar, but I understand uh, overall why that was the decision that, that the organization made. No, I, again, it makes sense. You don't want to rush a process like this. And yes, getting a guy like Eric Carlson um, on your team is going to make you a better team. Um, but I, I think you have to feel like, Again, you don't want to fall into that Vancouver trap of like, hey, we made the the Western Conference final or we made the playoffs. Like, let's go for it now. And then all of a sudden, you don't, right? Um, and then you're you're kind of stuck in that situation of, well, we kind of spent all of our assets already, and now we're kind of stuck with this team and nowhere to kind of improve or get better. So, um, before we get into the Kraken's off season, we're gonna look at your draft. Um, relatively quiet free agency maybe look at some maybe misses potential or what could have been for for the kraken um we'll talk of course about maddie veneers and shane wright do want to take a quick break uh talk to you guys about our good friends over at bird dogs and i'm wearing my bird dogs right now because um they just feel great if you're like me right uh you know the weekends are super busy you usually got soccer in the morning with the kids and you're probably at costco or target then maybe you're cooking out maybe you're going to the brewery uh you know your your whole day is busy you need some shorts that'll take care of you and make you look good no matter the situation that's why i go with bird dogs um they're super comfortable they have anti-stink sweat wicking fabric so again living in fresno it's 110 you don't have to worry about you know just everything getting all gross and bunched up and that so Go check out Bird Dogs right now. Um, and when you do, go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnHL. Enter the promo code LockedOnHL. They'll send you a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnHL. Uh, promo code LockedOnHL for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Okay, so... Uh, let's start with the draft. Um, so the Seattle Kraken, uh, of course, picked 20th in the draft. Uh, they took one Edward Sale, who's already got his uh, ELC. Um, thoughts on Sale, who was, you know, kind of one of those mid-round pick, you know, kind of mid-first round picks. And 
I think fell a little bit to to the Kraken at twenty, and they already like him enough to uh, to have signed him to his uh, ELC. So uh, Edward Sale, pretty pretty solid uh, start. Yeah, I think so. And uh, uh, so Edward Shala, that's what we. I'm learning how to pronounce at least his name. There's some further down the list that I still got to work on. But um, so he's from the Czech Republic. As someone who covers international hockey, first thing I want to say mm-hmm. is that the Czech Republic women's men's uh, youth programs on both sides have been fascinating. They are playing a dynamic and exciting, a strong and hard type of hockey. So that alone, just knowing how international hockey is trending again on, on both the women's and men's side, I was already intrigued. He has some familiarity with some of the the scouting team at the Seattle Kraken. And so that means that we also knew his type of game. Now, I think this is definitely, I mean, you know, he's, he's a winger. And so this is something down the pike that could really develop into some dynamic scoring. Doesn't give me what I I love, which I know you say defense is for nerds. Well, you know, call me Urkel because you know, I love me some defense, but you know, he, he, um, fits into the mold for the Seattle Kraken in a lot of ways. What do you know or what do we hear about Edward Shala? We hear that he has great ice vision. Uh, you know, you hear that he's got good speed. He's got good size. Um, he seems to, to be a, a player that can take things in stride. He doesn't get too hot, too cold, uh, too high, too low. And so those are all things that I understand to be paramount for the Seattle Kraken, especially in mm-hmm. prospects because they want to be able to develop young people in their system, starting, of course, at some point with the Coachella Valley Firebirds, and then work them into what, at least right now, is still a very, as uh, Dave Haxel would say, lunch pail, you know, <laughs> grinder, kind of humble, um, playing with a lot of humility, and also playing by committee. That's where we were able to overachieve is because everyone bought into doing what was necessary to get the win and putting aside some of that ego. And so for that, I think Edward Shala really makes a lot of sense. I will also say, JD, as a baseball fan, the fact that he was able to go out first one right down, down the uh, middle. Broadway, yes. That was amazing. And then he, they were like, did you practice? He's like, no, never, never threw a baseball in my life. So that, that immediately caught my eye. But, uh, you know, going back to the hockey, I think Shala is, is an intriguing pick for us. Like you said, maybe fell to us. We certainly know what it's like as the Kraken to have a player fall to us. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later, yes. but I think, um, you know, early returns from the development camp that happened right after the draft is that he was a good fit, seemed to be comfortable on the ice. And now it's just about growing his size, strength and skill to be able to fit with the Kraken need when he comes up to the team. Yeah, I mean, looking at the the Kraken's draft, uh, I love some of the picks. Um very much in the defenses for nerds go score points. Uh Lucas Dragosevich, who the Kraken picked 57th overall. Um, I was pounding the table for the Sharks to pick him at 26 because he is that Eric Carlson, all gas, no breaks type of defenseman. Uh, I know you're going to probably pull your hair out watching him at times, but I think you need to take swings on players like this, right? He, with the little bit smaller defenseman that he is, um, they're either amazing or they never make the NHL. And that's, that's kind of the boomer bust, but picking him at 57th overall where 
again, a lot of people had him as a potential end of the first round pick. Um, and Dragosevich, like that guy, that guy provides offense. And if you're looking for a potential superstar, um, like I said, he's either going to be a superstar or you're never, ever going to see him in the NHL, kind of like the Ryan Merkley, right, uh, type of, of type player. So, uh, but again, getting him at 57, uh, love that. And then Caden Price, who I also really liked in the draft process as well, um, who, again, looking at as a potential pick for the Sharks at number 36, um, getting him, you know, way back at, at 84th overall. I, I feel like the Kraken really added some quality pieces to their blue line with both those picks. So, uh, again, I know you're very much defense, but uh, Dragosev, you're going to love Dragosevich, I promise. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. And I think, you know, again, you you kind of describe players that we have in the pipeline. We've had, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of drafts, or I guess this will be the third uh, that, we've, that we've gone through as a franchise. And you start to see some trends, like you said, maybe what would be considered undersized defensemen. You know, you think of maybe like a Ty Nelson, and then you think of dynamic forwards that, you know, it, it make or break. A lot of people looking at Fergus, who we will not see in the AHL uh, this coming season. That's not the expectation. But, you know, he's really been putting on a great show for Moose Jaw. And so I, I think it's going to be curious to see. But and, and sometimes I think if you look at NHL teams, that might be concerning. But everything that I've heard that I've seen and that we, we see on paper is that the Seattle Kraken organization is really committed to developing players and they have a pipeline that is consistent enough um, that it will fit into the Kraken system while also, I mean, we saw what the Firebirds were able to do. And so there's a little bit of that give and and go that you have to have, right? The give and take, the push and pull between having an AHL squad that is going to be, have enough players that are NHL ready, or at least be able to do Mm. that two way while also still competing and and being effective in the AHL. So I'm very curious uh, to see how some of these guys fit into that. All right. And then with the uh, free agency, again, the Kraken were pretty quiet for the most part, right? Uh, kind of mostly just taking care of, of their own guys with here while still maintaining a, a, a pristine cap sheet over the next couple seasons. Um, do you feel like this maybe was a missed opportunity to maybe try to go at an impact player? I know it wasn't the greatest free agency, but or do you, again, like to kind of stay the course and next year, what should be a more impactful free agency? Maybe you kind of open up the purse strings a little bit next year. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of, of both. I think just knowing what the potential is, I can say for myself, I was kind of like chomping at the bit to see, all right, like what can we get that can really push us to the next level and so that we're not necessarily clawing to get the results that we did last year, but we're a little bit more comfortably in that conversation. But to your yeah. point, I'm not sure that the Seattle Kraken really saw what they wanted in, in the field. And, you know, that's, that's okay. I'm getting, I'm getting better at being more comfortable with it. I think <laughs> for now uh, we talk about on locked on Kraken a lot that there's like a three to five year plan for the Seattle Kraken. And we're entering year three, at least on the ice, I should say, because the yep. Kraken's been working at developing for a while. But if we look at just on the ice, we're in year three. So I'm okay that it didn't happen in this free agency. I am looking for the, the team to get a little bit more aggressive when it comes to the trade deadline and next 
off season. But I think it's worth noting that we did make some moves and that includes players that we, we did not uh, keep with us. I mentioned Martin Jones, you know, he's going to try his luck and see what's going to happen in Toronto. Carson Soucy, you've mentioned Vancouver a few times, but that's a player that not really a big surprise, even at the trade deadline, some rumblings there. And Carson Soucy, I think is the type of defender that, um, as we want to mature a little on the blue line, I think that there is certainly in the fan base, there were some people that were questioning if he was necessarily the right fit there. And then the Seattle Kraken's fourth liners, uh, um, as far as forwards, were really impactful at a very critical time for the franchise and for uh, the team last year. And so that's Ryan Donato, Morgan Geeky, and Daniel Sprong, who came in on a PTO and worked his way onto the roster. All three of those guys, including Donato, who's one of my favorites, they are playing elsewhere. Donato's going to be in Chicago. You've got Geeky that's in Boston now. And Daniel Sprong, I thought, got a pretty nice contract out of Detroit. So what are we going to do to replace those minutes we have an entire episode where we talk about the just the the raw numbers of points right or more so goals how many goals are we losing and how many did we gain by adding uh you know we have um we have Brian Dumoulin, who we brought in. And then um, as far as forwards, you have Kyler Yamamoto. That's a pretty big one, especially with his ties to the area. And then Pierre-Edouard. Uh, so, you know, I don't think we we have not, at least goal for goal, we have not, based on last year's numbers, made up the goals that those fourth liners um, have given us with an extension to done, you know, with a maybe more healthy and effective, not just um, – Andre Burakovsky, but will Bjorkstrand get into the flow kind of like we saw at the end of last season and in spurts in the playoffs? Gene Schwartz, I think, still has more than he can give us. So I'm not concerned per se, but mm-hmm. if you look like for like just in the goals, and we talked about this on the podcast, we still have a little bit that we need to make up. All right. Before we get into the 2023-24 uh, uh, preview, do want to thank you guys for making Locked On Sharks and Locked On Kraken uh, your first listen. Again, probably a part of the Locked On Network. We cover your team every day. If you want to be an everydayer, all you got to do is just follow on wherever you get podcasts or uh, you can like and subscribe on YouTube as well. Okay. What is the best and worst case scenario for the 2023-2024 season for the Kraken? Well, I mean, I think we, we start with the worst case scenario. I think for me, that's the Seattle Kraken not finding a way into the playoffs again. Um, is it the absolute like worst thing that can happen? No, but I do think as far as that three to five year timeline and knowing that the Seattle Kraken have prided themselves on wanting to be a team that when they make the playoffs that they will be a team that stays in the playoffs that could really put a chink in the chain of what this team has built itself on, which is its culture. Um, It's again, kind of blue collar, hardworking mentality. And in a vacuum, if we don't make the playoffs again, that is going to really take us down a notch when it comes to really the narrative and the culture that we're trying to build. And the reason I say in a vacuum is because whether I think the Seattle Kraken did enough or not. We have to also look at what's happening, not just in the Pacific division, not just in the Western Mm -hmm. conference, but obviously throughout the league. And there have been much more aggressive teams uh, in, in the league. And how are they going to make a jump? I mean, we saw the jump that the 
Kraken made, but also we saw the jump that the Devils made. And then there's been teams in the Pacific Division, and I'm sure as as you continue to do the state of you know the, the state of the franchise in the Pacific Division, especially there have been teams in the Pacific Division that have been right there, and we were expecting to to be right there this past season, and they took massive dips. So for me, that's the worst case scenario, just looking at what the Kraken want to do outside of what anyone else has going on. So the best case scenario is that we advance past the second round, right? Because that's the bar that has set. I do think, and I talked about this so much on Locked on Kraken, but the fatigue factor for me was disappointing, not shocking, Mm -hmm. But it was disappointing. And so I've said this a lot on Locked on Kraken. I'm expecting a very intense training camp. I'm expecting a very intense preseason, not just because there is going to be competition for certain roles, including players like Ty Cartier or maybe Riker Evans from the Firebirds that are looking to make a roster spot. Shane Wright, a little bit of a different situation because <laughs> between the games that he's played and all of the different uh, you know, agreements between the leagues, he's kind of just on that cusp. So we might have to, to see if he's offered another exemption uh, to, to even be eligible. Um, so we'll see what where all of that lands. Um, but if all roads and paths are open, he's another player who's going to be competing for an NHL spot. Um, and so for me, again, best case scenario for this team is just that they improve upon what they did last year. And last year, that was uh, 14 games uh, through two rounds. And so if they can minimize the number of games through two rounds and, you know, get to three, I think that would be best case scenario for us. All right. Let's talk Shane Wright. Cause I mean, right last year, of course, the presumed first overall pick fell to the Kraken at fourth, um, had a weird season, right? I think he played for uh, at least 20 teams last year. Uh, it felt like at least, but um, you know, he bounced around, went to back to, you know, started in the NHL, went back to the OHL, um, I was traded in the OHL, went played in the AHL playoffs. Uh, what with Shane Wright? Is it better just to maybe just send them back to the OHL for the season? Go do your thing. We'll see you in April when your season's over. Type of, of player for him, uh, like just maybe some consistency for him and have like playing on one team for the entire year. Is that you think maybe the best best opportunity for him, or um, or do you think he he might be ready to push for an NHL job right now? I do agree with you with the consistency. Last year was whiplash, not to mention just everything from him falling to four and the stare and then him being with the company but not suiting up. I think consistency and giving him the opportunity to build on what ultimately ended up in being, I would say, a, a pretty convincing campaign in the AHL with the, the Firebirds as they made their push uh, for for the uh, the Calder finals, which they made ultimately fell um, to Hershey. But I do agree that consistency is what Shane Wright needs. I do not think that what's best for his development is to go back to the OHL. And that's, again, where all parties involved. And, um, you know, Ronnie Francis talked to us in media about that and, and that they're really the Kraken are on behalf of Shane Wright and alongside his representation, trying to get all parties involved to do what's best for his development. I don't think Shane Wright needs more time in the OHL. I could see a scenario where he could use consistency in the AHL before being ready to make that big push 
to the NHL. But ultimately, like I was just saying uh, prior to your question, I also think that the maturity of Shane Wright has increased. He was a leader for that dev camp coming right off the draft. He didn't have to come and he made a point to be there and to, to take leadership in, in when it came to the prospects. And that was something that we weren't really seeing in his first camp. And so I like that. If you hear what the, the Firebirds had to say about him, you know, he really started to step into his own, play a more physical game and win a lot of pucks for, for that team. Again, who made a, a play all the way to seven games in, in the final against Hershey. So consistency, yes. OHL, no. I don't have a good read right now, though, whether that means he'll spend the majority of his time in the AHL or if he'll make that jump to the NHL. But again, I think that comes to our training camp. I think that comes to some of the players that I mentioned that we signed that are on one-year deals or you know maybe uh, mm-hmm. two-year, two-way kind of situations because I think there are some positions that are really up for grabs, and that's what I love because we do need guys that are going to come with the intensity right away because we fizzled out. The Firebirds fizzled out in the playoffs. The the Kraken fizzled out in the playoffs. And so the more competition that there is for spots, the more that the teams uh, or the players, excuse me, are really going to have to run through their paces. And I think that's only going to benefit both the AHL team and the NHL team when it comes to the dog days of the regular season and then trying to make a push for the playoffs. All right. Who's the most important player for the Kraken this season? Philip Grubauer. <laughs> Goaltending woes, I'm still a little perplexed by goaltending. So we haven't mentioned Joey Decord. He had a great season for the the Firebirds, came up to the Kraken every once in a while. Philip Grubauer looked good. It looked like he exercised some of those demons. We made a goalie change. He was looking more confident, more I should say really more comfortable with Mm -hmm. the Kraken of him i think he was um buying into whatever systems and whatever changes came with that goalie change with steve briere coming in and then he got hurt and we knew we didn't have chris drieger available so that's when we leaned a lot on the aforementioned martin jones philip grubauer was amazing for us in the playoff run solid i do think just like everyone else on the team he suffered from some fatigue but not in the same way that i think we kind of dropped the ball as far as the skaters he was the rock. And so if we can tap back into the Philip Grubauer that we got at the end of the regular season last year and through the playoffs, that's going to really help anchor this team because Martin Jones, he was all over the place. And I will say, I will oh. be the first one to say some of the, well, I, exactly. I don't have to tell you, but some of those wins were, were definitely more on the lucky side, but he did what he needed to do. You hear it a lot in hockey or in sports, yep. right? making the right play at the right time. And that was Martin Jones for us while Philip Grubauer was on the mend. Chris Drieger spent time backstopping Decord, actually, coming back from his ACL uh, surgery. So for me, it's got to be Philip Grubauer. As much competition as I think there's going to be in training camp, I do not want it to be for the starting role (laughs) as goaltender. (laughs) I want Philip to, to own that. And then really, I do think that the Kraken are going to give Joey Decord, as Ronnie Francis sometimes says, every opportunity uh, to make the Kraken roster. And he's going to have to go head to head with Chris Drieger, who, again, is coming off of surgery, did not get a lot of repetitions last year, comparative to Philip Grubauer, who did. And again, Joey Decord, who did at the AHL level. But for me, it's got to be groupie. 
Makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, goaltending is the great, uh, yeah, the great decider of all for hockey. And having watched Martin Jones uh, turn into a, a pumpkin for three straight seasons, I, I totally understand that. So, Erica, let's get you out on this. Where do the Kraken finish in the Pacific this year? So we were in, in the Locked On NHL preseason poll. I believe we came in at seven in in last year's poll. And I said we would shoot for five. And then, you know, we came in at four. So that's not bad. Um, I, I Again, I think we really have to take command of our fate. So mm. I, I'm going to say we, we finish uh, third or better in the Pacific Division. Really make it inevitable as much as possible that we get into the playoffs and then see where we go from there. All right. So who do you, how do you have the Pacific stacking up then if you, if you got the Kraken at third? They got to jump somebody. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, gosh. I'm sad. <laughs> It's I know that's the fun part because everyone's like, oh, yeah, we'll fit it. And then you like try to order them. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah I got to actually order them. Yeah, if I had to say right now, I'm, I think presumptive number one, Vegas has earned that. Uh, my, I'm inclined to say Edmonton. And then I think we, we leapfrog uh, the Kings. But that's what we'll have to do. That's what we'll have to do for my prediction to be correct. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that Squadcast episode, State of the Franchise. JD in the driver's seat asking me the tough questions. Of course, we talked about Edward Shala, and I loved getting JD's insight on some of the prospects that are a little deeper in the pool for us and who we think will really rise to the top and what I have been saying will be and what has to be our most competitive training camp to date. All right, Kraken fans, I am on the road, and forgive me in advance if I'm a little hoarse for tomorrow's Friday episode, but we're going to get back into some of those top fives that we had right here on the Lockdown NHL Network. So as always, hold fast, stay true, be kind to yourself and to each other. And Seattle, yes, you are indeed ready for women's hockey, so check out Women's Pro Hockey to Seattle campaign. And with that, I'm going to close out this show and I'll catch you on the next episode.